that ground in Ipswich many years ago is the main reason that um, I'm still in the game 17 years later. And, um, you know, Brian Clug and the coaching staff at Ipswich are you know main factors in that. Hey guys, it's me, producer Ross, and welcome to episode two of series two of Ross Meets the Series, where I catch up with former town players to talk about their careers from the ups to the downs and everything in between. And let's get into today's episode. I want to say a big thank you to everybody who listened to episode one of series two with Gus Unenbeek. Thank you, everybody who listened to that episode. If you haven't already, go back and listen to it and hope you enjoy. But let's get into today's episode. Let's introduce today's guest. And it is former Town Youth Cup winning captain, Liam Craig. And this was a great chat with Liam. I really enjoyed catching up with him, talking about his time at Porton Road and his career as a whole. Of course, he spoke about the Youth Cup success in 2005. He was the man who lifted a trophy at Porton Road back then against Southampton. And it was just great to chat about his insight at his time at the club. Unfortunately, he never made his first team appearance at the club but he said it was a great learning environment for him to go on to progress in his career. Of course, he's went on to make a very successful career in Scotland with St. Johnston and Ibernian. He also has managed under Terry Butcher at Ibernian, the town legend himself. And it was great to hear from Liam about Terry Butcher as a manager. He also mentioned Tristan Nydham, who was on loan at St. Johnston back in 2018, uh, about his time at the club and all that. So now, let's get into this episode, guys. I rambled on long enough. Big thank you to Liam for speaking to me for this Ross Meets podcast. Hope you and guys enjoy it, and let's get right into it. Do you always want to play football? Is that something you always wanted to do? Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah. um, you know, certainly when I was young, um, you know, you dreamed of playing in the Scottish Premier League as it was back then. and uh, You had your club that you followed, and, you know, going to games, you just thought, I would love to do this. But back then, it was never about... Uh, you know, money or finance. It was just about playing in front of massive crowds and scoring goals. And like everyone else back then, you wanted to be a striker. No one was interested in a midfield or defence or a goalkeeper, especially. So, um, not an early part. Of, uh, I think it always has been um, what I've wanted to do. And you know, I've been fortunate throughout my career. I've had great people um, from an early age to help guide me um, and look after me and, and steer me in the right direction and give me great advice. Where did, um, where did it all start for you then? When did you know you wanted to sort of play for a team? Well, the village I grew up in didn't have a team and then okay. it was just a chance conversation. I think my dad was living with, with someone and um, there was a town called Coldstream 12 miles away from where I lived. They had a seven-a-side team it was um, that played in an under-11 league and I was only seven at the time. Um, but it was just great to actually be involved in it and actually get a proper strip, if you like. Yeah. <laughs> even at that age um, and play seven asides and I think um, even then you know I was maybe ahead in my own age group so going out to the under 11s was only great for my development in terms of playing against bigger people and it is quite a um, jump from you know 7 to 11 year olds um, and it just helped my development again the biggest thing throughout my whole career is just enjoying playing and uh, you know fortunately throughout my career I scored a lot of goals and even back then that was a big part of it and uh, you know after Coastal I moved on to Berwick Rangers where it was 11 aside um, and we played in the north it was like a north east England league so you were playing against teams from um, Berwick down to Newcastle um, and again it was great for my development in terms of you're playing against better players again and it was start at 11 aside and obviously that would be the case for the rest of my career so um, a great couple of years at Berwick and then um, probably went as far as I could with them in terms of my development and I was lucky enough to the Hearts had seen me playing there and asked me to come up and train with them and I started off with Tynecastle Hearts which was the boys club okay. to uh, Hearts and then you know moved on to playing for Hearts youth team at uh, 12 year old and, until I moved to Ipswich Where did that um, how did the move to Ipswich come about um, of course you know you were a schoolboy at Ipswich first so how did that come about Just was there scouts coming down and stuff like that or coming up Yeah when I think um, during that time um, Ipswich had actually brought a few boys from Scotland yeah. uh, down to the club and um, as I say I was playing with Hearts and playing with Scotland schoolboys and 
the victory shield it's obviously still going now as well um, I'm actually trying to think if when we played England if Dean Bowden should maybe played for England okay, yeah, at that time yeah. um, there's every possibility I know he's a year above me but I don't know if the way it worked he maybe played for England that time um, but I was playing for Hearts and I'll be honest I thought I was actually going to um, sign full time with Hearts when I turned 16 I was, I was doing well in the youth teams um, I was coming out of school to train with them and um, playing under 18 under 18 games and being involved with under 18s um, at 14, 15 year old as well so I thought that would have been the, the next move for me but I got a phone call from um, I was actually got I was at school and my guidance teacher actually came in and gave me a note saying that uh, Alan Fraser who was a scout from Scotland working for Ipswich had been in touch and um, if I'd given him a call re- regarding Ipswich and obviously at 15 year old you're just buzzing other clubs are looking at you as well and by this point you know, maybe it wasn't working out at Hearts in terms of stuff wasn't progressing as quickly as I would have liked you know coming to the age of 16 um, so I went down to Ipswich to train spoke to Alan and you know for the minute I went in the door the whole setup, the whole environment um, just incredible um, you know the training ground you know up here at that time Rangers were probably the only team that had a training ground um, and since then obviously you've you've got you know you've got Hearts you've got Hibs Celtic you've all got the big training grounds now but certainly back when I was 15, 16 the only one I'd ever seen like that was, was Murray Park through it uh, Rangers and to go down to Ipswich I just felt right away from meeting the people uh, the coaches to the backroom staff to the to the players and the environment I just thought you know regardless of what happens in the next three years as it was I signed a three year YT um, I'm going to just become a better player become a better person and um, certainly moving down there has been the, a major factor in the fact that I'm still in full time football at 33 yeah. Uh, how was how was that you know coming down to which which you know it's a, a far way away from where you you know grew up and stuff. What was that like at, at the beginning? It was brilliant. I mean, I, I stayed uh, when I was coming down. I was staying with digs just across the road from uh, the training ground. But when I came down full time in the January in two thousand and three, um, I moved into Norris Road. Uh, with Henry Sablowski obviously he was a year above me already living there um, we had Fraser Beveridge who was from Dunfermline he was the same age as me so the three of us lived together with George and Ivo um, who I don't know enough they were from Scotland originally and moved down to Ipswich years ago so um, the three of us shared the shared day digs and just again 16 year old moving to Ipswich it was um, it was just brilliant at that time like you had an incredible place to play football, great people, great teammates and you know, a lot of boys over from Ireland as well in the same situation as myself and Fraser and Henry. So as much as it was difficult being away from your family and um, friends that you'd grew up with, uh, right away, you know, you had other people in the same situation and we just all wanted to be there first and foremost to be football players, but we all helped each other. You know, that's why we ended up going on to have so much success. Yeah. That that's what you know, that's what's good in fact about Itchish Town. We you know, there's we've brought over players from Ireland, Scotland and stuff and as you said, you're all in the same boat and you know, uh, when you of course joined the club, George Burley, I think was still in charge. Was he still in charge when you came? Funnily enough, I came down uh, with my mum and dad to watch a game against Sheffield Wednesday. We came down on uh, Friday okay. and they were playing Sheffield on Saturday and actually George Burley had got sacked the day we were coming down oh, wow. um, so as much as I'd worked with him or not worked with him met him if you like when I was down as a um, well he used to come down in the holidays before I turned 16 mm-hmm. um, and met him that way um, I didn't really get to work under him because like I say by the time I came um, he he uh, he, he left and then on that day against, I'm sure it was Chef Wed, we were sitting in the box, obviously they brought us down to show my mum and dad about the place and that as well. And it was Tony Mowbray and Brian Klug that actually took the team that day um, against Chef Wed. So um, I didn't really get the chance to work under um, George, but certainly Tony Mowbray, the, I mean, he was brilliant in terms of just making you feel like the best player in the world, the way he spoke to you, the way um, he wanted to help you. Um, and that was a recurring theme throughout all the coaches. He just couldn't do enough for you when I was there in terms of making you not only, again, 
uh, better footballer but a better person as well mm-hmm. yeah, let's, let's mention Brian Klug of course he was your your coach for the you know FA Cup success how, how is he you know he's got he gets a lot of praise from a lot of people but what's your thoughts on him he was just you know as soon as you went down there mm. I mean obviously he was a father himself so yeah. right away he made sure you were looked after yeah. um, in the right the, the right way and, and in terms of his coaching and wanting to, to develop players you see over the years um, Brian along with other staff at the academy have produced great players that have went on to do some brilliant things um, he just knew how to treat people he knew how to get the best out of them um, and he looked after your whole well-being it wasn't just a footballer as such first and foremost to look after you as a person and by doing that he got the best out of you as a player um, as I said earlier the, although I never went on to play in the first team um, the grounding that I got was given at Ipswich mm-hmm. by the coaches um, and the backroom staff um, it made me grow up right away in terms of being away from home um, and looking after myself properly on and off the yeah. pitch um, and, I, and I still whenever I speak to you about my career I always say the grounding that the club gave me and the belief that the um, club gave me um, is why I'm still in the game at, at 33 um, Joe Raw then came in do you have much interaction with him? Yeah Joe is obviously the first team manager mm-hmm. um, he was great with the younger players and you know if you were doing well because right away when I went down I was pretty much in the reserve squad as well so yeah. it was great to play on the you know you play the youth team games on a Saturday reserves on a um, a Tuesday or a Wednesday uh, and I was involved fortunately for the start really with reserves so you're working closer with him and Willie Donachie as well and um, you know if you went to train with the, the first team on a Thursday obviously they were working on their shape for the, the game on the Saturday so a few times I got the call to go and train on the Thursday and everyone wanted to call on the Friday because that meant you were in the squad on the Saturday but yeah. unfortunately I never got many calls on the Friday to go and train with them um, but certainly uh, you know the, the big thing with Joe obviously he was great in terms of dealing with you and trying to help you um, but he was honest with you um, We'll probably come to that later in terms of when I left the club. Um, him and Willie were brilliant in terms of trying to make sure I was all right and I would get sorted and you know speaking to people to try and help you. Let's um, let's get into the FA Youth Cup. Um, that that season, uh, how old are you at that point? I would have been eight, 18 okay. that season. So in the early rounds, did you think you could go on to, you know, possibly do really well in this competition you know the players you had then you know which sort of players highlight the players you would say you highlight who were you know really doing well I think what we had we had um, a goalkeeper Shane Supple that mm-hmm. he knew would go on to have a good career yeah. um, and go as far as what he wanted in yeah. his career um, Big Aidan Collins was you know a youth team international with England mm-hmm. um, Michael Sinek coming over for Ireland Chris Casement um, Northern Ireland International so we knew we had good players um, and we're doing relatively well in the league yeah. um, you know definitely competing with these teams um, but I just think when it came to you know cup football we just had a spirit of togetherness uh, uh, a belief that we could match anyone on our day and you know fortunately in all the games um, we got it right and I think the first game was Portsmouth at home we might have actually won an extra time uh, Danny Haynes um, scoring an extra time um, but back then you, obviously you would you would love to win it you see the people that have won the competition before you um, and even now you know it's something that I, I look back on and I, I look at teams that win it now obviously Chelsea have been dominant the last few years and you know it's great to, to remember the fact that we done it albeit 15 years ago and um, it was uh, just great memories and a, a great team spirit and every round that came we just felt we could win and you know we went on for Portsmouth to play um, was it Aston Villa in the next round at home or was it Stoke so. away I'm trying to think I know we, I, I think, think we played both of them yeah yeah we did play both of them I'm trying to yeah. think what order but I think it might have been Stoke away next okay. and, we went up to um, everyone says can you do it in Stoke on a Tuesday night and we went in the rain and yeah. fortunately we did again it might have been an extra time uh, I scored two that night yeah. um, to get us through to the next round and then it was Aston Villa so you were trying to hit meet the you were trying to hit the or starting to sorry, play against the, the Premier League teams yeah. now in the latter stages mm-hmm. and we played um, 
Aston Villa at home. I think Gabby Bonglehog was playing up front for them. Um, Bobby Aluznik was in the goals for them. So, uh, again, another decent side that have produced a lot of good players over the years for my academy. Um, and we beat them 3 1 at, at Portman Road. And um, I think Colchester had beat Chelsea in that round. And then we were drawn against Colchester away at Lear Road. And, you know, throughout my whole time at Ipswich, it's probably the game that I enjoyed the most I think um, you know Lear Ro- Road was a ground that was probably going to get knocked down you yeah. know not long after that because yeah. obviously Colchester got a new stadium now but um, to go down there I had family down for that game as well and I think it was a stellar crowd the Ipswich fans really turned up that night for the, which was huge for the players um, and we won 5-0 but there was definitely a, a real belief that Colchester could beat us and I'll be honest though for us it was the joy of the round in terms of no disrespect to Colchester you know we should be beating their academy um, but at the same time you respect the fact that they'd not um, teams like Chelsea out so um, to go there and win 5-0 we're actually we're brilliant on the night and um, they deserve, uh, deservedly won 5-0 uh, and then it was the semi-finals against Tottenham home and away and um, you know we beat Tottenham 2-0 at home which, you know, again, a massive uh, club, again, producing loads of players. But, you know, to beat them 2 at home and go to the away leg, I think they maybe scored first in the away leg, but we ended up winning 2-1 with Big 8, scoring one of the goals. Um, and then it was the final, obviously, after that. But by this point, you know, the belief was definitely there, the excitement was definitely there, confidence was there. Um, and although Southampton were an exceptional team, that I don't know if the guys maybe got, had one defeat in the, the whole season in the league and beat us twice in the league um, and obviously the, the, the names on that list are phenomenal when you look back now uh, in their squad but um, we do, again we just had that belief in togetherness that you know if we worked hard and attitude was right um, and at times if we got a bit of luck and took our chances we could win the game and, um, I, I think the first game at um, St Mary's to draw two all Cahill Lauren scoring two great goals I think that just gave us the belief that you know what we can actually win this coming back to Portman Road um, because we'd matched them on the night um, and we just felt getting them back at Portman Road in front of our supporters um, we could win it and uh, you know Shane Supple made some incredible saves on the night um, and then Ed Upson someone at the time that had been spoken about having a big future in the game but certainly we um, didn't know too much about him I think he was only 15 at the time um, and that was the first time he'd been involved in the squad I think um, certainly it was in the FA Youth Cup and uh, for him to come on and score the winner with an unbelievable strike um, which is brilliant and probably just epitomised everything that was good about and is good about Ipswich in terms of producing players for the academy and um and like I say, it was just great memories with a great group of people. Um, and it was great last week to, to look back on the videos and the, the, the photos and articles for 15 years ago that um, that we'd done it. And I, I suppose the, the, the only disappointment comes from that a lot of that squad probably didn't go on and achieve what they, what they should have in terms of that can come down to anything. But... Um, in terms of being lucky or, or just being in the right place at the right time but um, as a team and as a group of players you know just worked so hard for each other um, and even now you know speaking to people like Sammy Moore Stuart Ainsley Chris Casement obviously at Linfield we played against them pre-season mm. this year and it's great just to talk about those memories and uh, Chris was someone I ended up living with at Ipswich um, mm-hmm. in the last year um, so great people great memories and you know although and I, I didn't go on and play in the first team which you know I still think is one of my biggest disappointments in football to have those memories and to give back to the club um, the FA Youth Cup if you like after the amount of work and effort they put into the academy and, and helping young players for years uh, was brilliant and something I'm still massively proud of now I just want to quickly go back to the final um, you know there was I think 15,000 in attendance that must have been great for you you know you young lads seeing all these fans coming to watch you guys in this final a chance to win the Youth Cup because of course the club have won it before um, I think twice in the 70s so 
an opportunity to make history again. And as you said, those players in that team for Southampton, you know, you had David McGordrick, Theo Walcott, Nathan Dyer, Adam Lana, Leon Best, you know, Gareth Bauer was on the bench, you know. You look back now and go, wow, you know, they've gone on to have a good careers. But, you know, how good were they when you played them? No, they were. I mean, everyone had... Um... Obviously, never had social media and stuff back yeah. then. Um, but you knew that Theo Walcott was someone that everyone was talking about at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I say, they were in, the, in terms of the league. They, I don't I don't know if they lost a game in the league that season. Um, so we knew how good a team they were and how hard it was going to be. Um, but as you say, to have the the supporters, not just that night, because I, I go back to the game against Colchester in the quarter final and there must have been four or five thousand there were supporters there that night um, obviously being a local derby uh, if you like um, encouraged them to come and I think they started to believe at that point as well that there was maybe something special happening here um, and certainly to go on and win the final in the manner in which we did um, and against the names obviously at the time you didn't know what sort of career they were going to have but I think a year after the um, after we won the Youth Cup Theo Walcott ended up going to the World Cup with England. Of course, yeah. Um, so it just showed how what people thought of him. Um, I always laugh about it because obviously we won the Youth Cup and I got a free to Falkirk and he got a ten million pound move to Arsenal. <laughs> so um, it was a great time and um, and again even now you know it is fifteen years later but something that you know is I hold in high regard and you know. I'm, Whenever I'm talking to anyone now, it's something I'm really proud of um, achieving. Um, and like I say, doing it with that group of players and for a club that, like I say, invests so much in the, in the, the youth players in the academy, um, just made it even better. What, what's your um, memory like from, you know, the celebrations afterwards in the dressing room and stuff? What did you guys sort of do after that? Well, you know, of course you're still young, so you weren't able to really... Oh, you don't know, you're 18, so you're able to drink and Aye. stuff, but... Uh... <laughs> There was a few us eighteen that were allowed to drink, yeah. and all, obviously everyone's families and that were there as well. So mm-hmm. we had a um, you know a good celebration in the changing room, and maybe even had someone eat in one of the rooms up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we spoke about obviously the the Irish contingent that was at the club. Um, we ended up going to a it was a little bar. I forget the name of it. It was a little Irish bar in the centre of Ipswich. Um, and I can't, I can't remember. Probably change names as well. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. But there was one in the middle of it, switch that we there must have been about ten, eleven of the players and their families ended up in there. So um, it was just brilliant to to share that moment with so many good people and their families, and um, and it was a really good night. And again, something to look back on now that just adds to the whole the whole event, if you like. Um, and unfortunately, I've not went on to win loads in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is still something that um, I remember fondly. And certainly whenever I speak to any of the players for that squad, um, you know, they're all really proud and um, got great memories from that night mm-hmm. and the whole the whole cup run. From there, then, you got your first pro deal. Um, so Joe Raw gave you that. Did you think you were hoping to hopefully break through to the first team? Did Joe sort of give you any... In indication no, that that was uh, I never actually signed a professional contract okay. with uh, Ipswich. I, like I, I signed a three-year YT. Okay. Um, and going into that would do, that was my t- two years was up. I was going into my final year mm-hmm. um, as a YT. Um, came back for pre-season and was doing well, but probably at age now. Yeah, I thought I need to make that next step up mm-hmm. in terms of I played reserve football for the best part of two years um, and you wanted to start going on to play in the, in the first team yeah. um, and I, I was I was starting to train maybe a wee bit more with the first team but certainly I wasn't um, getting near the, the squad for a match day so uh, and listen you, you've got to be realistic with yourself and say it's maybe not going to happen here so at the Christmas time um, in the December we the youth players always go home for a couple of weeks. Um, obviously, I know it's a busy time for the first team. And before I came back up the road, um, by this point, Alan Fraser, who'd brought me down here, so just scout, he was working for Falkirk. Okay. Um, and I spoke to him 
and just say to him, like, listen, I don't think anything's going to happen here. I was becoming a bit frustrated just because still playing reserve football, but I'd, I'd never even been in a, a match-day squad for the first team. So um, I, I spoke to I spoke to Joe Royal, and Joe was brilliant to me. He says, listen, you know, they've got to be few and far between in terms of getting an opportunity. Again, we had a really good uh, first team at the time. We uh, were doing really well. Um, and we had good players obviously people like Owen Garvin another massive part of the Youth Cup winning team um, went on, on, on to play in the, the first team and rightly so and, um, when I came back up at Christmas time I went and met uh, John Hughes at Falkirk um, had a chat with him and he was he was looking to bring me in in the January um, and it switched to be fair to them as I say Joe Royal was honest to me um, well, Donnie had made a few phone calls for me before I left. Um, so obviously this time Tony Mowbray was working at Hibs as well. But again, Hibs had some really good players. Antonio Murray was there at the time as well. Oh, yeah. an ex-Hipswich player as well, uh, along with Chris Hogg. So I knew that I could, um, I, I would know a couple of the players. And obviously knew Tony, but again, Tony was honest to me and says, um, you know, we, that's one area that we're really... Um, lucky to have some really good players and you look back now Scott Brown and Kevin Thompson to name two of them um, I've learned had exceptional careers they were at Hibs at the time so and again I, I think that honesty helps you as a player because um, it just means you've got to move on to something new and the, the Falkirk thing um, was a real possibility and it was an opportunity for me to go and play first team football and uh, I signed a six month deal for January at the end of the season and I spoke earlier about wanting to play in the Premier League, wanting to play in front of big crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, came up to came up to Falkirk in the in the January, and um, you know a couple of weeks later, I was playing at um, Selway Park in front of sixty thousand mm-hmm. against um, you know people like John Hartson, Dion Dublin, um, Roy Keane, Bobo Baldy, Arthur Boric, you know big big names, and then you play against Rangers. Uh, you're playing against people like Barry Ferguson. Um, you know, massive names in Scottish football, and, and that was the thing when I was at Ipswich. You know, Scottish football was still massive. I was living in a house with Ian Rimmel by this point as well, another boy that had came down from Scotland. So you were always keeping an eye on Scottish football and the results and the, and the squads and the teams. So to come back up and test myself against these players was brilliant. Um, and again, it just seems like the natural progression uh, for the next stage of my career. Did you always? Did you think you're always going to go back to play in Scotland, or did you think, oh, could I have a chance to play maybe, you know, lower level in England first, and then try to progress back up? You know, a lot of those players who unfortunately got released at that time. You know, there's a few players that did go on to play for the first team, like Owen Garvin, as you mentioned, Danny Haynes and uh, Liam Trotter as well, and uh, Chris Casement played a few times. But did, did you think? Possibly you go back to Scotland and maybe come back to England or just were you just at home in Scotland? I think um, there, was an op- there was maybe opportunities to go on trials at clubs mm-hmm. um, and I probably could have done that but I just felt that the fact that Falkirk were wanting to offer me a professional contract something I'd never yeah. signed before um, and it was going to be I was going to be training with the first team every day um, I'd been away from home a week after I turned 16 I moved to Ipswich so I was 19 that December that I left uh, coming back up the road in the January um, so that was three years I was away from everyone and I had developed into um, you know I developed into a, a first team player if you like and um, sorry too dangerous um, I developed into a someone that was ready I, I felt um, to play first team football so um, I think a number of things were key to me coming back up the road and um, I must admit now I look back in terms of you know could I have moved to England maybe mid 20s to late 20s um, but I certainly don't regret playing in England I certainly would have always loved to have tested myself at different levels and seen if I could have progressed but I look back on my career and I'm one of you talk about some of the names in that youth cup squad that didn't maybe achieve the the heights that they should have and uh, I just feel I'm one of the lucky ones obviously there's been a lot of hard work and sacrifice along the way but um, as I say 33 now still playing in the Premier League and um, you know other things that have happened along the way I I feel that it was the right move but again I go back to that ground and it which helped me in terms of my progression and um, being mentally and physically ready to, to meet the challenge of being a, a professional football player. Yeah. So um, 
So you're at Falkirk, Quiplana, top flight. Um, you know, you had a few seasons in, and then you went on to have your first spell at St Johnston, initially on loan. Um, of course, dropping down, you know, a league. But was that something you wanted just to do at that stage of your career? You know, you weren't. Were you not playing as much at Falkirk? I, I'd um, been regular okay. for eighteen months at Falkirk, and okay. um, you know, we'd, we'd been doing well in the Premier League. Um, <laughs> And then again, I was suspended for the first game of the season, the season that I left, and we, we won four 0 against Gretna, um, and just that coincided with the team playing relatively well. And you know there was young players at the time. Obviously, Scotty Arfield uh, came through the academy there and was pushing into the first team. Um, Paddy Craig, who was at Arsenal, is I played against him um, when I was down the road in the reserves, and that he was in the middle of the park. So. I think it was a combination of you know boys progressing and good midfielders in the team, and I just wasn't getting again as much football as as what I would have liked. And it was just a case of having a conversation with a manager who John Hughes, someone I've got so much respect for in terms of giving me the opportunity to be a professional footballer, and someone I still speak to now um, for advice. Uh, I spoke to him, or sorry, he spoke to me and said, "Listen, there's an opportunity to go to St Johnston." Um, for a month on loan and I just felt I need to be playing games I wasn't playing as much as what I would have liked and you know, went to St Johnston for a month's loan which got extended to the end of the season and you know we were never going to win the first division that year we were third behind Dundee and Hamilton um, by quite a, a long way um, but we got to the semi-final of the Scottish Cup and that only beat off Rangers um, on penalties um, and I'd played a, quite a big part and uh, scored a few goals along the way and St Johnston wanted me to extend my or sign up my con- contract with Falkirk had ran out by this point and St Johnston wanted to sign me um, Falkirk wanted to extend it as well just on the back of how well I was doing so I was still only i just turned 21 at this point mm-hmm. um, but I just felt that Derek McInnes and um, St Johnston was the right club to and, and manager to, to help me progress and um, I signed a three-year contract with St Johnson who went on to win the first division um, the next season uh, and I was fortunate enough to play in a lot of those games um, and bring St Johnson back into the Premier League somewhere that hadn't been for 10, 11 years I think so uh, and that was really the foundation for um, the start of the success that St Johnson have had ever since then and um, of course then Steve you, you mentioned Steve earlier in our chat uh, Steve Lomas of course he uh, Helped you reach finishing third in the league. Of course, you also played for the first time playing in the Europa League as well. Uh, what was that, that season like? You know, in terms of finishing third, and what was the the reason for that? You know, just the bond you had in the squad, is just the quality you had. I think a, a bit of both. Um, Rangers had obviously dropped down to the third division mm-hmm. um, by this stage, but the league was still made up with some very good teams in terms of Celtic, Aberdeen, Motherwell, um, Hibs, Hearts. Um, but we just again had that togetherness and spirit that the season before that we'd finished sixth um, and we got into Europe on the basis that Rangers had fell out the league and I think it was a fair play thing um, at this stage so we'd ended up getting into Europe um, and we only got about two weeks off in uh, off season and we were back early and ended up going to Turkey to play Eskisport in the Europa League Um, which was quite incredible I mean that was the first time I'd done a European trip and you turn up to the Everyone knows what Turkish football was like um, in terms of turning up to the stadium and the the supporters are, are mad, but just the passion and the um, love they've got for the game is incredible. And um, you know, two hours before kickoff, we were walking on the pitch and the stadium's you know nearly full already in terms of them singing and dancing, and having a good time and uh, a great atmosphere. And unfortunately, we lost two 0 out there. Um, I think the main. One of the main players I had was Diamante Kamara, who played at West Brom and Celtic as well before going out there. And so it sort of showed the level that they were spending it compared to St Johnston. But we came back to Perth a week later. We actually went one 0 up in the game, um, and then pushing to get the the equaliser. If you like, they scored to make it one all, and we ended up losing three one. But again, to to play at that stage against that quality of opposition was brilliant for the club and gave us the confidence to go and you know try and finish in the top six again um, this season and uh, we just went on an incredible run in terms of playing a belief of confidence you know Steve was a manager that you know, he trusted his players to um, to go and do what was right on the pitch and he, he set you up in a way that 
defensively we were solid but gave us the freedom to go and play um, on the attack and you know if, for St Johnston at that time you know for us to finish third in Scotland behind Celtic and Motherwell was an incredible achievement and I speak about the Youth Cup as being a great achievement that I look back on but certainly to finish third in the Premier League with St Johnston's definitely up there as well and um Again, he play as much as what I did that season uh, and scored a few important goals. Um, it was just brilliant. And again, look back on that team and uh, that time with, with, with really good memories. I was about to mention that. I've got your stats up from that season. You are a sort of goal-scoring midfielder, which is what we need at Itchwich right now. So uh, <laughs> if you want to come back, that'd be good. You, you scored eight goals that season, I think, altogether. Um, and you said some important goals. So um, did you, do you like to add that to your game? You know, you're a you know, midfielder, goal-scoring midfielder. Yeah, I think so. I think that's always been, even from my youth days at Ipswich, I spoke about some of the goals I scored in the Youth Cup, and it was yeah. the same up here. I scored, never scored as much for Falkirk as what I would have liked, but, yeah. um, you know, for St Johnson now, I think 58 goals, I think I've scored for him, which isn't bad for um, someone that can't really do a trick, if you like, and he's one paced. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, it's been something that, you know, throughout my career, um, Again, it goes back to my days when I signed for Ipswich. I was a striker. Um, and it's just having that anticipation and that, um, you know, arriving in the box at the right time, if you like, to, uh, for midfield. That I learned when I was a striker um, to score their goals. And, you know, that season, I think that probably what was great about that year, um, I think there was five there scored eight goals that season at St Johnston. So, though we never had you know, that one striker, maybe scored 20, we had. You know, midfielders and strikers all getting eight goals and uh, sharing the goals across the board that made us so successful. Um, and probably you go back to the St Johnston, uh, sorry, the Ipswich Youth Cup winning team, and that was key to that as well. We didn't rely on one person; it was very much, you know, the squad. Um, and it was the same, you know, in my whole time at St Johnston. Been fortunate enough to have a really good dressing room that. Um, it's, it's always been a squad that's got a success and it's not been individuals. Yeah, we've had individuals that have done brilliant and moved on, but the core, um, the, the, the team stayed the same and you know, I think that's where the successes came from. Then um, your next move was then to Birmingham, Hibs. Um, yeah. How that sort of come about? Did you feel like you needed to... I've got a, I've got a friend who's a big Scottish um, football fan because he, he um, grew up in Inverness, so he sort of gave me some sort of like... Uh, some information on Scottish football and um, he said sort of Hibs is maybe a, a bigger move in terms of the club no no respect to St Johnston um, of course there'll be a few St Johnston fans probably going to listen to this but um, at that stage of your career you know, had a great great season at St Johnston did you feel like you you know you're, you you know you wanted to move on somewhere else just to have a challenge I think well, I was coming I was five years I'd been at St Johnston mm-hmm. um, and obviously we'd finished third it was six months previous in the January that I'd um, agreed a pre-contract with Hibs um, but I think was stood me in good stead ever since and as my, release, um, my performances mm-hmm. between January and December eh, sorry January and the summer knowing that I was leaving yeah. um, I was never one that down tools and never will, will be one that down tools you want to do as well for uh, well as you can for any club you play at and it wasn't a case that Hibs was a bigger club or, or anything like that, I would never ever, you know, say that. Obviously, um, St Johnson's been brilliant to me, and you know, I just felt that you know, Hibs was a move. There was other teams that wanted to sign me, and I just felt that um, you know, Hibs was the right move in terms of um, again, I speak about your career progressing. You know, unfortunately, it didn't work out. But again, I've been one of them that you know, you have to learn through disappointment and. You know, how can you turn that disappointment into positives and you know I've done that for when I got released at Ipswich if you like to um, going on loan to St Johnston um, it's how you react to, to these disappointments and I didn't regret moving to Hibs I, um, obviously I regret what happened that season in terms of got relegated but uh, you know I look back now and um, you know the second season I had there under Alan Stubbs and um, you know really enjoyed my football and um, off the back of that moving back to St Johnson and having another five great years so um, I, I don't regret the move to Hibs I really enjoyed it um, 
you know, playing in Edinburgh derbies and, you know, things like that was just incredible. And again, when I look back on my career when I retire, it'll, it'll be something that, you know, scoring an Edinburgh derby, scoring a winning goal in Edinburgh derby is something that, um, you know, is huge um, and something I'm really, really happy that I did. Yeah. Oh, and I'll bring up your sort of home debut. Of course, not the most... Um, probably a game you want to try to forget, of course. Once again, you're playing in Europa League for Hibs. Um, you had Malmo, Swedish side Malmo. You um, lost 2-0 in the first leg um, at Malmo. And then at Easter Road, a 7-0 defeat. I actually watched the highlights last night just to see how bad it was. And, oh dear, not a good game. Yeah. <laughs> what's your what's your no, memories was, of that? Uh, it was tough. And, um, I think we watched the highlights the day after. And I think that's the last time I've ever thought about it. Yeah. But, um, no, it was just... Um, again, you talk about defining moments, if you like, and you know the, obviously the excitement, the optimism um, at the start of a new season is just blown right out the uh, water when when something like that happens, and um, you know, and that's where I felt for Pat because obviously he was the manager, and I loved working with Pat and Jimmy Nicholls' assistant, um, but I just added to the two cup finals that they'd lost. Um, the two previous years, they, they, they lost to Hearts and Celtic in the Scottish Cup finals quite heavily. And, um, that was another game that, um, through no fault of Pats, I mean, as a footballer, you, you, you really have to take responsibility at times. And we just never did it that night. And everything that could have went wrong did go wrong. Um, and at the start of a season, starting a new club, you're wanting to make the right impression and you know get the, a feel-good factor amongst the, the supporters and, and the club. And, um, that just set us back really um, and as the season went on I mean the way the season ended you could say we never really recovered for that night yeah. Yeah. Um, of course then Terry Butcher came in of course a legend at Itchridge Town uh, what was he like playing under and what was that uh, the news when that broke you know he was coming in of course he was doing really well at Inverness and he came over what was your first reaction you know when did you know about Terry Butcher was coming in well Pat obviously left after a defeat to Hearts mm-hmm. again on his own terms so yeah. Um, you know when Terry came in there was an area excitement in terms of you know how, how we're going to play how we're going to react to it and you know one of the first conversations I had with him um, he made me Hibs captain um, which again goes down in my achievements to, to captain Hibs was, was brilliant and to have that responsibility um, and initially we were playing well and winning games and um, doing well but Again, it just at the turn of the year, you know, the, the end of January, we we beat Hearts and I think drew at Dundee United um, away from home and uh, had a really good spell over the Christmas New Year period. But then after that, we I, I kind of put my finger on what happened in terms of the results just didn't work out and we were just on a downward spiral and um, we just couldn't stop the rut and you know we all need to take responsibility for how that season ended up because. No, again, with that group of players, we shouldn't have been in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, but we weren't. Obviously, we, we got relegated in the end and just hugely disappointing. But as I said earlier, um, I've always tried to remain positive and any setback that you have, you try and use that moving forward. And certainly, the disappointment in that year mentally made me tougher. Um, and I'm really, you know, the fact that I've turned my career around again in terms of rebuilding it, um, over the last five, six years, uh, I've been really happy with how, how it's worked out since then. Yeah. Of course, you had um, you know, one season with Verney in the Championship, and then you, of course, made your return to St Johnston. Um, how did that sort of come about? You know, it does happen a lot sometimes. You know, two spells at one club, but did you think that was the right time to come back to St Johnston, or did you have any other offers on the table for any other clubs? No, I think um, there was talk about that I could have came back to St Johnston the year we got relegated. I spoke to the manager. Um, the year Hibs got relegated and I, again I still had a year left on my contract and I just never because I was part of the squad that got relegated I wanted to be part of the squad that got them back up um, the next year so um, I stayed at Hibs and then in the end we, we missed out in the playoffs Rangers beat us in the playoffs to, uh, so we're going to be in the championship again and um, I had a talks about extending my stay at Hibs um, that never really came to anything and then I found myself out of a club and I go back to the relationship that I had with the manager and the club as a whole um, at St Johnston and uh, 
they offered me the chance to come in and train. They were still playing in Europe, um, and I came in and trained. And there was a couple of injuries, and it just transpired that there was a contract there for me if I wanted to sign. And um, it didn't take much thinking or negotiating at all. I was delighted to be back at the club, and uh, the biggest thing for me was that I wanted to carry on the success that the club had had because my two years away from St Johnson, they went on and won the Scottish Cup. Uh, you know, some huge nights in Europe, beating Rosenborg. Um, over two legs as well so uh, it was important for me that you know I, I could go back and back into the Premier League and back to that level to, to help the club and you know I did we finished fourth I think the first two years back at the club and a lot of the core players that I spoke about earlier the ones that won the cup and finished third they're all getting a bit older now and um, the manager had to um, the manager went through a transition period if you like in terms of bringing younger players in um, and older players leaving and we've never been in a relegation battle and we've finished in Europe uh, or played in Europe again since then but it has been a massive uh, transition period for the club and I've just been delighted as one of the senior players that um, you know I've, I've, I've helped the club during that transition and I'm still here now and, and still enjoying my football and helping the younger players because um, as I say from my time at Ipswich all the way through my career I've had good senior pros round about me that have helped me and it's great that now I'm one of them pros that um, I can help the younger players um, um, You're of course the second all-time appearance holder at the club do you reckon you'll ever get will you beat Steve um, Anderson's record do you reckon? I don't know Ando I think he's maybe about 42 games ahead of me okay. just now um, Bando is he's only a year older than me uh, and obviously been at the club since I signed and um, I'm sitting on 398 appearances for St Johnston just now so uh, obviously this pandemic um, has, has stopped me from getting to 400 yeah. um, so hopefully I can extend my stay and uh, that's the first milestone I want to get to if I can get to 400 games again we spoke when I was younger how much uh, you wanted to be a football player and, um, you know, I've played well over 500 games in my career. Um, there's been a, a lot of highlights, some low points as well, but um, to be second in the most appearances for a club the size of St Johnston and to do it in a period where the club was so successful um, is a great honour. And like I say, if I could get to 400 to start with, I would do that, would be brilliant. But, you know, if I didn't play another game for the club, I'd be um, really happy with my contribution in the games and like I say, the contribution to the success that the club's had over the last 10 years. I just want to bring this up quickly about, um, you know, supporting a football club. You know, when you were a young lad, who did you support or do you still support someone now? I know for footballers, it's a bit different, you know. You, you support a club at the beginning when you're a kid, but when you get older and you're playing football, you're like, oh, I can't really share my team I support. But when you were younger, who did you support back then? No, as you say there, I think as you get older, it's just a case of you just want to do as well as you can for the team you're playing for but you look at the results from the, the teams that you've played for as well I mean you know I still look for Ipswich I'm still very much on a Saturday how did Ipswich go on and um, it's been disappointing obviously the last couple of seasons to, to see them in League One and, and all the rest there but like my other clubs I'm always looking to see how Falkirk and Hibs are doing um, because you get an affiliation with the, with the club and um you recognise just how important that club is to the to the area and um, these clubs have played a huge part in, in my development and my career so it is just that you just want these clubs to be successful and you know going back to St, uh, sorry Ipswich it's just it is really tough to to look at just now in terms of I remember it where it was 15 years ago and I think it was West Ham beat them in the playoffs to stop yeah. getting to the Premier League Um and just so close to, to getting back to the Premier League back then and um, to see where they are now it is disappointing but you know hopefully um, they can produce more young players as they have done over the years and they can get back into the Championship sooner rather than later and you know make that step back to the Premier League because as I say the club's had a huge bearing on my not just my football career my whole life in terms of the way I was looked after back then and um, that is definitely a club that um I, I do support now and um, hopefully soon I'll get back down and, and meet uh, meet up with some ex-players and, and definitely the ex-coaches and some great people mm. um, who I 
again had a massive influence on my career. Yeah. I just want to bring, quickly go back to your, your time at town. Um, you, of course, you said you trained a few times with the, the senior team. Who, who was there? Any players that stand out for you who you sort of got along with or had some good banter with? No, I think, um, you know, I don't know if he's missed it, such or no, but Jim McGilton was yeah. certainly uh, a player that um, the young boys could look up to and he would look after, whether it was laughing and joking with you or whether it was trying to help you. Um, develop he was someone that would come and watch training um, the youth team training as well I think the great thing at Ipswich was in the afternoons if, as I say I was a striker at the time you would maybe go out and do striking sessions um, in the afternoon with the strikers and Dean Bodens and someone I spoke to earlier was um, one of them Dan Bent obviously um, was in the first team by this point um, but you had good uh, great players actually and Alan Armstrong Marcus Bent who they wanted to help the younger players, Sefke Kutsi, another one, you know, when you were going out to do these training sessions, um, it wasn't a case that they didn't want to be there, they wanted to be there and they wanted to help the younger players as well as, um, you know, making themselves better. So uh, they were all, all really good in terms of looking after you. And boys like, always remember boys like Kevin Horlock and, mm. and that on the, the reserve bus going to games, just brilliant people and... Um, it was never a case it was like us and them they, they included the younger players and, and I suppose when you look at the club that's what the club was all about like that you know it was very family orientated and we all looked after each other and, and, and looked out for each other and um, you know all the first team players were great with the younger players and um, you know when you did go up and train them yep it was difficult and the demands were high but um, there was always people there that wanted to help you and improve you there's um, of course now we've got a Scott in charge Paul Lambert have you had much interaction with him in your career or is he not really he's, he went on to course he left Livingston as their manager and went on to manage in England but have you ever spoke to him or ever any dealings with him or know anybody who has no I think um, obviously I've not worked under him on he's been in England for, for a few years now but in terms of his career up here you know what he's done um, obviously with Borussia Dortmund what he done with Celtic was incredible and I think um, you know, people that I have spoke to that have worked under him you know, really enjoyed working with him mm-hmm. um, and initially I mean I look at the end of last season you know the supporters and um, the club really got, got together again there was a great spirit mm-hmm. um, albeit um, it didn't finish the way they would have wanted to so I think it's just getting back to that and obviously winning games of football does that um, and it would be great if Paul was the man that took the club back up to the championship and built on that uh, moving forward um, because it is a great club and a club that deserves to be uh, you know, higher than where they currently are I know you of course you're playing week in week out but have you had a chance to come back to town since you've left Have you did you have like a free weekend where you could come or has it just been hard you know, it's, it's um it's been difficult to, to get back down and, and, and see the place. Uh, spoke to a lot of people from down there, mm-hmm. um, but unfortunately, I've not I've not been back down. Um, it was good. Paul Goddard, obviously an ex coach at the uh, the club, who's an agent now. He um, he brought a couple of players to the club, and one obviously Tristan uh, yeah. Nydam, who's obviously oh. injured just now, but another great prospect for. Um, the future as well when he overcomes that injury he came up to St Johnson last season um, and it was brilliant even just to talk to him about the club and the people there because a lot of people that I played with are now coaches there you look at Scott Mitchell and um, boys like Gerard Nash uh, Chris Hogg obviously was there um, I know he's in Newcastle now but it was great to talk to Tristan and um, I was devastated for him when he got that injury because obviously he's got a lot of potential um, he's got a great future in the game and He's someone because he's came through the youth system at the club, um, you know, can really galvanise the club and the support and drive them on. So I was devastated for him when he got the injury, but certainly when he was up here, um, you know, brilliant to work with. And when when he did play, he was excellent. And um, you know, hopefully he can get back and help the club soon as well. Yeah. What 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 was the reason why he didn't really play many games? He only played five times. You know, was it just? Just wasn't again. It, it's difficult, um, you know. At times up here as well. I mean, when you go to like say, like say Hamilton, you know, you're playing on astroturf pitches. It's something totally different for what these players are used to. Um, you know, maybe just the system that we played at times. Go to different away games. Um, the manager just went for players that um, he knew. 
were tried and tested if you like but certainly in training and whenever he did play you could see the quality was there mm-hmm. um, and again someone that the supporters should be excited about moving forward and it you know it's, it's great for me to see you know boys like Tristan because it you know shows that the academy is still in a really good place and still producing really good players that can only help the club moving forward mm-hmm. I've got um I've got his stats up, but he actually replaced you twice that um that season when he was on loan. So uh, were you just were you just knackered and then you go yep yeah, bring Tristan on? <laughs> I never told the manager. I tell you, I didn't yeah. ever go to the manager. Sent him back to Ipswich. I never yeah. did that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, I just was obviously he's a left sided player, um, similar to myself, um, and it just was a case. I think the manager. Uh, it's just a case of freshening it up and, and reducing him to a different opposition player because mm-hmm. that is the thing up here. It's, um, you know, like I say, going to Hamilton and, and playing on artificial pitches and then you're going to Ibrox the next week in front of 50,000. Um, it is totally different. But again, I think it was great for Tristan's development. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see the other side, obviously, he'd only been at Ipswich, he hadn't been out of before. So it was brilliant for his development to come up here and, and see what it was like and test his cell against, um, you know, great opposition. Um, like the same terms, you know, I'm sure he played at Easter Road and, and Ibrox when he was here as well. So, um, again, why I was gutted for him when, when he got that injury and, and hopefully, um, you know, once this is all over, um, he can he can get back to full fitness so, yeah. and, and start driving since, uh, sorry, sorry, start driving it switch on definitely um, sorry to bring your age up now you're 33 uh, so yep. yourself you know how, how how long do you reckon you'll will try your best to continue playing and you know you're now the PFA chairman in Scotland how did that sort of come about is it something you just <laughs> wanted to do no again I spoke about I've had good pros above me uh, every club I've been at one of them was Jack Ross who was obviously linked heavily with it switch so yeah um, a couple of seasons back and he was um, working with the PFA um, and asked me if the management committee would be something I'd be interested in and, and it was and um, I, I joined the management committee in 2015 and um, the chairman at the time John Rankin he stepped down two years ago and I was elected in and you know it's been great for my development as well in terms of uh, this role and you know never been more important if you like is is the current time we're, we're in in terms of um, player welfare and you know players well-being and stuff so um, as you say 33 now and um, I want to play as long as I can but I've always um, I've always said that if the right opportunity comes up um, in terms of coaching or playing um, or play, uh, being, a, being a player's coach is something I would seriously look at now mm-hmm. um, I look back on my career with great memories and like I say, I think I'm one of the lucky ones to have played so many games for um, so many good clubs. And uh, but I'm no, I've, I've obviously I've been and done my coaching badges. I've done, um, I've passed my A license last summer, um, and I've been working with the reserves and the youth team at St Johnston. So um, definitely something that I want to do in the future. Um, and as I say, with the manager leaving. Um, Oh, hello. Well, at the start of the week, well, that's the thing. I mean, yes. it's one of them that, um, you know, I've got a great relationship with the manager in the club and mm-hmm. um, it was the manager that yeah. got me involved in the reserve team coaching and mm-hmm. that as well. So, um, it's something I want to do and obviously with the relationship I've got with St. Johnson, you know, yeah. it's over 10 years that I've been a part of the club yes. now. Um, I want to stay as long as I can and, you know, whatever capacity they see me in moving forward, uh, you know, I'd be delighted to uh, stay longer than the end of me. Well, Liam, thank you very much for all that. That was, that was great chatting with you. You know, bringing your memories and you know, interest in you. You know, your career in Scotland. Is there anything else you want to add? Is there anything we think we we missed? Well, I think um, you know, as I say, it's just brilliant to you know having that ground in it. Switch many years ago is the main reason that um, I'm still in the game 17 years later. Um, you know, Brian Klug and the coaching staff at Ipswich are, you know, main factors in that. Um, and again, some there are people that you always know you could phone for advice. And um, as I said earlier, it's a great club um, with great potential. And, you know, fortunately I was there 
when they were doing really well at the, in the championship and you know reaching the playoffs and I just hope for everyone that's connected with the club that they get back to that level soon. From true crime to football, Brexit to football, for more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.